Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the weekly podcast chronicling Fearless Records, Punk Goes series, and on today's episode we are delving down the acoustic line with <laughs> Strike Anywhere's Chalk Line. How was that for an introduction? It was very formulaic, but yeah. good. I felt like every word had an period. An period. At end yes yes uh we had some very much welcomed feedback from a friend of ours who suggested that we state up front what song and artist we're looking at which of course like we should have been doing that i think we should talk for 45 minutes without mentioning the song before we start no okay that doesn't no this is off to a poor start already. Well, I think I started off pretty well. It, it was very punchy, yes. Very punchy. But as I said, this week's episode, Strike Anywhere's Chalk Line, coming mm-hmm. from the Punk Goes Acoustic first album? Volume 1. Volume yes. 1. Um, yes. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. now that we've gotten the uh, business out of the way, how has your week been? It's been all right. Yeah. Can't complain, really. Another week? Yeah. Is it starting to get a little bit more bearable now that we're starting to get a little bit more sunshine during the the day and it's starting to last a little bit longer? A little bit. I'll admit, at the moment, we are currently in our little one of two bedrooms of our two-bedroom apartment in our pseudo-studio, I guess, and... It's cold, but we've got the heater going. I've got a blanket. I'm sort of curled up. And I kind of just want to fall asleep because it's really nice and cozy. You are curled up underneath my Spider-Man blanket that I got when I was 15 from Bali. I was hoping to protect you by not mentioning it. Oh, I don't care. I'm not not ashamed of that. A couple of funny things about it. One of the pictures of the, on this blanket, it's just got lots of like Spider-Man, the word Spider-Man. And it's got a it's got an image of Peter Parker, half Peter Parker face, half Spider Man mask. P- the Peter Parker face, he looks kind of really oddly Indonesian in the picture. He looks like a child to me. He like, look, he I just, just think he looks kind of Indonesian, and it, it makes me smile. That's awesome. Like also, represent. Also, another funny fact about that blanket: when I got my Black Dahlia murder tattoo. And I was, I'm, I'm on their Facebook, I'm not on their Facebook, I'm, I'm, I follow their Facebook page and they've got a section for fan tattoos. Yes. So I took a picture of the tattoo, but I was taking it by myself. So I had to lean my leg. <laughs> and so like, there's the picture of the gorilla. Yes. Their logo and, or like one of their old logos. And it's leaned up against this Spider-Man blanket and... It was hilarious, the disparity between the people commenting. And that had, like, it had a lot of likes and it had a lot of, like, they shared it on their page. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it was a lot of, like, some people were like, oh, man, I can't believe how much of a nerd you are that you've got a Spider-Man blanket and you're you're <laughs> putting this up and you've got a Black Dahlia, you're not a metal fan. And then other people were like, dude, have you not seen the Black Dahlia meta? They dressed up like the Scooby-Doo gang at yep. one concert. Like... They're nerds, dude. Like, get over it. Uh, 
That's delightful. Like, fuck the haters who didn't like your Spider-Man blanket. But yeah, I love that basically just sort of encapsulates the internet and like comment culture of like, you will always have those two fan bases of, oh, you're like, this is so shit, blah, blah, blah. And then the other ones are like, hey, like, it's well, not metal to like Spider-Man. Yeah, I love that that just captured so perfectly. Yeah. Like, this is exactly what you deal with on the internet all the time, regardless of whatever you're talking about. And it's like these people have not seen the Black Dahlia Murder DVD a million times like I have. In a segment where Trevor says, the lead singer of the fucking band says, some of my most comfortable moments are sitting on the bus, on the tour bus going to another city in my Mario pyjamas. My (laughs) Super Mario pyjamas. So come on, just calm down. He... Trevor is a dude that I would like to have a... Like, I don't drink beer, but I would just pretend that I drank beer just to drink beer with him. Yeah. Like, I remember when we saw them... We've mentioned this before, but when we saw them at Soundwave however many years ago... 2012 it was. Well done. Um, and, yeah, I just remember being like, okay, cool, like, this music's pretty sick. And then, like, he just, like, ripped his shirt off and he's just got, like gut like just a full like fat belly and as someone who also has a full gut like i was just like yes like it's so good he is very comfortable he's like a husky like big boy and i fucking love it like with with, like my favorite like he's my favorite vocalist in the world yeah and he also has an excellent tattoo that just spans across his stomach and just says heartburn and i love that i don't know if it was necessarily meant to emulate or parody the thug life tattoo but i think it's a pretty standard thing of like get it's similar to like those chest pieces where someone just gets something like spanning their entire chest you do get a lot of hardcore and like yeah rap hip-hop artists who do get the spanning it across the stomach as well but yeah i i love that i would get reflux tattooed (laughs) on my stomach that's essentially the same thing pretty much yeah. yeah, it's indigestion problems. I'd probably just get pizza or something. But this is... I'm really excited. This is a perfect segue for me to announce my... What a horrible night to have a podcast podcast that I will be hosting by myself. It'll be a 24-hour thing. I will review each and every song over of the Black Dahlia Murders catalogue over 24 hours. And I will die. No, I'm not really doing this. I... Maybe for charity. We heard it here first, folks. If if we last a year, then maybe I'll I'll do it. <laughs> I love that you can't even commit. You're just like, maybe I'll do this. <laughs> I'll live stream it, and you can watch me cry after about three hours when I realize what I've done. See, but you don't require much sleep. You're a very light sleeper, and you get up like stupidly early, even on your days off. Yeah, because 7.30am is stupidly early. It is. Anything above, anything above, anything before 8am just shouldn't exist. (laughs) Like, I remember, I don't know how I used to get up at like 5, 5.30am to work my hospitality jobs in uni. Like... Oh yeah, I remember that. uh, Yeah, I used to be able to do it surprisingly well, I guess. I was driven by the need to pay my rent, but yeah, I just, I cannot do it anymore. Fair enough. And yeah, like... Even though you have to do it five days a week. Yeah, but like not... Like I'm not starting my shift at like 6, 6.30. Whereas 
I guess it helped that I had coffee on tap, so I could just sort of immediately have a cup and yeah, probably become a much more likable person for it. But um, you're a delightful person. Oh, well, thank you. For but this, yeah, I'm not joking when I say that. Like, I am very sleepy right now. Like, I could I can fall asleep on command. I'm sure. Mm. Like, so yeah, if you get like a heap of dead air, it's just because I've fallen asleep. I'll fill that dead air. Oh yeah, that's fine. We're sorted. But besides that, you had a good week? Yeah. Uh, besides what? I don't really know. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you had something not too great happened, but the rest of the week was, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing else bad happened, so it was perfectly <laughs> fine. Speaking of Spider-Man, we finally watched oh, Into the Spider-Verse. How fantastic was that movie? So good. I, I know remember- we're late to it, but come on. Yeah. It's all right. Look, I figure our episodes are already somewhat dated because we have yeah. a bit of a backlog running at the moment, so <laughs> we we can't possibly get any more outdated. But um, yeah, I remember hearing about it when it like the concept when it was first released, like oh, and it's going to be animated. I was just kind of like, mm. oh, okay, yeah. I was kind of yeah, just leaning towards like, okay, that's a good one for the kids. Yeah, but yeah, and then I heard like a good few people like some of my peers some of my like fellow fellow podcasters that i look up to and they were like it's amazing like you have to watch it so i'm so glad we did because it's incredible no it just it captures the comic book style yeah it oozes charm Mm -hmm. i yeah i mean i i don't really I don't really read those kind of comic books. Um, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, I only read graphic novels. Mm. But I kind of do because I like things that are short. Um, I don't really, you know, I watch a little bit of anime, but I only really watch stuff that's like a series that's 24 episodes long. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not really into things that go for too long. So that's why I like graphic novels because they're usually done in like five series. Yep. So, but I would consider probably Spider-Man to be my favorite superhero. Yeah. Well, um, hence the blanket. <laughs> hence the blanket. I love me a bit of Spider-Man. Um, the Spider-Man video game that came out last year was one of my favorite video games of the year. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten about that one. Um, and I just love the integration of different Spider-Men and a couple of Spider-Girls. One who was created by Mr. Gerard Way himself, Penny, oh. Penny Parker. Of My Chemical Romance. Of My Chemical Romance, of the Umbrella Academy fame, of Solo Project, Gerard Way, his music. Um, What's the other one? The the Fabulous Killjoys. Yes, Gerard Way created Penny Parker. Mm -hmm. And then there was like, yeah, Peter Porker, Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Gwen. Yes. And yeah, I just, I really thought it was fantastic. So good. But I... I went down to my old hometown to see my family, my parents, mm-hmm. um, and I went and saw, caught up, caught up with a couple of friends, a couple of good friends, one of whom I will be at some point this year having a friend anniversary with, Aww. ten years, ten years strong. Um, but I went and saw the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino movie with my brother it's been a while since i've seen a movie just with my brother the last time i saw a movie with him we went and saw that winston churchill movie with my parents and (laughs) within about two minutes of it my dad was already (sighs) 
asleep. Not good, huh? And 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 Anthony was just like nudging me, like. <laughs> and he managed. He woke himself up again, and he managed to stay awake for the rest of the film. But yeah, they liked it, and me and Anthony were just like, "No, nah, that wasn't really for us." Yeah. But yeah, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. It's. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I'm. That's. I just do not care for Quentin Tarantino anymore. No. Like. Just, I don't know. <laughs> go away. The, well, I mean, one more and he probably will. Oh. Well, there you go. Except you, he'll probably produce, and he'll probably produce and have a director that's, like, basically a director in name, mm. but he's basically directing the film. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I imagine will possibly happen. I don't know. I just... It didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It, it had... Like, he's a master in writing dialogue. He's a master in setting a scene, setting mm-hmm. a theme, and setting a time. So, mm-hmm. it's set in 1969, and it is. Like, everything about it is a movie set in 1969. And you... Yeah, like, I've heard about him being overindulgent, and this is him being overindulgent. He wanted... He loves his old movies, so he wanted to make an old movie. Mm. Um, it just... It's supposed to be this kind of redemption story for this this sort of aging actor played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And you just there's a couple of bits that sort of encapsulate it. There's a he has a really good scene where he's on a TV show and he's talking to a young girl who's also in the TV show and he's he's relaying this story that he's reading and it's basically about him mm-hmm. and how he's, you know, probably not got much longer left in Hollywood. And yeah, and then there's the whole Manson family dealio, which you don't really get too much of. I like that you refer to like this awful series of like murders and whatnot as just a dealio. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. It was look, it was good. I liked it, but the last film of his that I really liked was Django Unchained. I yes. I didn't I didn't love the Hateful Eight either. I fucking hated the Hateful Eight. And we're two films in a row where basically it's not the very last thing that you see in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it's the last 15 minutes. A man brutally murders a woman. And it was the same thing in The Hateful Eight. And I guess the thing is, well, the women that Brad Pitt is murdering, the Brad Pitt's character is murdering in the film, they're Manson family members. They were sacks of shit. They, you know, the yeah. people, the people that murdered an innocent woman and her and her unborn child, they were pieces of shit. Yes. Um. So I guess it's that thing of like, why should you feel sympathy for these people? And they're also trying to kill him. So why should you feel sympathy for it? But it's still, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything about maybe what Quentin Tarantino feels or anything. It's just that's something that you see in the last two films of his. I don't know, there just seems to be a certain pleasure taken in his films of subjecting women to very graphic violence. And yes, I get that it's a level playing field and that everyone has some form of bloodshed, I suppose, in Tarantino films. But there's just something slightly twisted about the way he does it with women. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it just... In this, it's pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know, it just kind of, to me, like, that's why I don't really watch a lot of like crime shows and that kind of ilk is 
I'm so sick of seeing narratives of like, oh, and another woman is hogtied and naked in a forest somewhere and has been brutally murdered. And mm. like, it's, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a lot of the time when women are the subjects of violence in these types of media, it is, there's this gross sort of sexual element on top of it. Yeah. And it's just, it really doesn't sit well with me. Like, I just can't. I don't like it. But like, I'm just thinking even in, like, Kill Bill. Kill Bill, like, there's some stuff that gets pretty violent towards Uma Thurman. But she's also an assassin. Yeah. And this is the world that she lives in and she's very capable and she takes care of business. Like, yeah. she's a badass in that movie. I think kind of the lot, I think what sort of maybe was almost the catalyst of it was that scene in Inglorious Bastards where... Christoph Waltz's character strangles the woman to death, and that's kind of remember that scene. Oh, where I'd forgotten about after that. she has yeah. the, the cast on her foot, and he yeah. takes her into the office, and then like eventually at least, and he's just he, and it's a long scene, and it's, and the scene it actually was Quentin Tarantino's hands that was strangling this woman. That's awful. Kind of like in The Passion of the Christ, how it was Mel Gibson's hands that was nailing Jesus to the cross. That's... But yeah. But anyway, this isn't a, I was going to say Anne Quentin Tarantino, a Quentin Tarantino podcast. As much as that would be a thrilling idea. It, it really wouldn't. <laughs> I, uh, I'm willing. It would willi- be short. Yeah. Oh, it I'm, would be eight episodes or nine episodes now. I'm sure whoever did it would find a way to make it the biggest. I'm willing to bet money that there is a Quentin Tarantino podcast. I remember. I listened to one episode of it, and it wasn't because it was bad. I just I didn't just didn't listen any further. There was a there's a podcast called Blank Check, mm-hmm. and they reviewed Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. They they basically spent an hour and a half to two hours reviewing the first six minutes, and then it was the next six minutes, and oh my like, each episode was a six minute increment of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yikes. And they eventually finished it. I think the idea was that they were going to do the whole series like that. I don't know how many episodes they got out of it. Um, yeah, that that's there might be a podcast like that that's, you know, six minutes of Quentin Tarantino's films each go, each episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sorry, I was half listening to that, and I will hear you properly when I edit this, because there <laughs> is a Quentin Tarantino podcast coming out... And guess who's recording it? Quentin Tarantino. Yep. So according to GQ magazine, he is releasing a podcast going in-depth on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought it was going to be maybe like he talks about each film that he did, like the behind... That could be that could be interesting, but it's... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's fine. Yikes. That's fine. I'm not... I'm not poo-pooing it. But anyway... Yes. Anyway, sorry, I need to go back to my notes now. I reckon that's probably our top phrase in the podcast is, but anyway. And also, this is not a insert thing here podcast. And so... I say like a lot as well, and I don't like oh, it. Oh, don't say that, because the minute that I'm listening to something and they start to say like, and I notice it, it's like nails up a chalkboard. Up a chalkboard? Down a chalkboard? Yes. Or, sideways or, to a chalkboard or just on a chalkboard nails equivalent to a chalkboard 
Nails going up would sound different to down. Like it would yeah, probably be... Yeah, because that would be the skin. That would be the skin. So they'd just be like... Urgh. Well, just the feeling. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? I get the same thing when I become aware of songs where the singer breathes. In, like when they do a quick like... Before... Mm. And there's this one... I can't remember what it is. I think it was Birds of Tokyo or something. They had a song... And yeah, as soon as my friend pointed out to me, like, oh, have you noticed, like, every time between lines, there's just a quick, like, sharp intake, like, and it just does my head in. So is your least favourite song in the world, everybody in the club get tipsy? (laughs) (laughs) Tipsy. (laughs) Look, it makes up for it in lyrical content, but yes, I do get sweaty palms listening to the... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. But yeah, did you ever do that? I, we've definitely had this discussion off mic, but no one was there to hear it. Um, did you ever do that exercise in school where you have to get up and do a speech on something and the teacher sort of, <laughs> depending on how I describe this, it could sound really mean, but like the teacher sort of encouraged the class to pull you up when you said um or like? Yeah, I can't remember how harsh it was. Oh, like it wasn't like, People booing. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I do remember once we... I can't remember the exact context. We did do something that was like that. Like, don't say... Uh, don't do any filler words. Don't do ums. Don't do likes. Don't do ers, ahs. Yeah. Just, yeah. Pretty much read your presentation. I can't remember... Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but... I have a feeling that I've replaced um with like because of that exact exercise. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, I still remember being like, oh, and I just wanted to, um, and, like, I think the teacher would sort of make, like, an eh, like a, mm. just some sort of deterrence, be like, oh, shit, don't say that. And I have a feeling that I definitely try and avoid um now, but, like, has just become the I, next um I me. do get to a period where I sort of notice that I'm saying like a lot, and yeah. then I, I try, I'm very conscious of it, and so then I try and make up other filler words. <laughs> like actual words or you just make up phonetic it could, oh, I think it's words it could just be sounds <laughs> if you if you want mm-hmm. I'm not going to use the L word if you want I could do like a buzzer sound every time you say like yeah let's on do air. it yeah let's do it alright cool this will be good I'll probably end up crying by the end of it, but that's okay. I mean, I have to really listen to what you say now. It's going to be hard when you do all the talking. Alright. Strike anywhere. Yes. Chalk line. Yes. Shall we play it? Yes, we should. We see the billboard go. I would love for just 
obviously no one else cares as much as I do about this, but it would be very funny if our listeners could get a fly-on-the-wall view of us whenever we do those bits, because it's just... It's just us sitting there (laughs) quietly. Like our animator, like, let's play a bit, and then we just sit there deadpan and look at each other for, like, five seconds, and it's like, yep, okay. (laughs) It just, it's, it makes it so much easier when we go, let's play it here, compared to trying to fit it in somewhere where we haven't said let's play it yeah yeah um because there's been a couple times when when i'm editing and i'm like am i supposed i'm doing it for you you don't have to do it for me but i want to okay uh where i'm sitting there and i'm thinking is this the point in the song where i'm is this the point in the podcast where i'm supposed to put it and i've put it in and then it and then 15 minutes later we go oh and here's the song now (laughs) That was more in our earlier days. Yes. Where we've grown and matured. Yes. In eight episodes, we have yes. gone leaps and bounds. So far. Two yeah. months. Yeah. Wow. Um, what were we... Oh, yeah. We, we played the song, yes. Again, you did the bulk of the research this week because I am the worst no, person not. to do a podcast with. No, you're not. I am going to let you... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you up. Oh, just to keep building you up, you're gonna have so much confidence by the end of this. <laughs> I'm gonna be completely insufferable. You're gonna be spinning. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the band and cite all the stuff that you actually researched? I just made it slightly formatted, which no one will see, but I get satisfaction out of that kind of thing. It's what you do as an editor. It is. So as we mentioned. The song came from Punk Goes Acoustic Volume 1. Well, oh, wait, no, we're talking about the original. We are. Sorry. All right, well, let's just talk about the band, as you said. Yes. The band, they formed in 1999 in Virginia, Richmond. That was a good year. The Matrix. Just... The Big Lebowski. The Y2K crisis. Yeah. Were you afraid of that? I was... Look, I was afraid of everything when I was a kid, let's be real. But I'm still like, afraid of everything. Yes, yeah, same. But, like... I said, like... Oh. Uh. <laughs> um, so I told you I have to really listen to you now. <laughs> you're just formulating your next sentence, aren't you? <laughs> yes. No. Um, yeah, I remember being aware that it was a thing that would, like... Uh. Fuck. That would fuck up computers and stuff. Yeah. I didn't fully grasp the concept beyond that. Like, I knew that it was bad, but now that I look at it from an adult perspective, I can fully understand that people were freaking out that it would, like, ruin... Uh I I stopped myself. That it would... Not destroy, but, like, just derail, like... We can stop this now if you want. I want to keep going for now. Okay. I'm sure the listeners hate me for it, but I need to learn. Um, Yeah, I can understand how that would have severe ramifications for, say, banking systems, healthcare systems. Yep. Those, like, life support. Like, just anything... Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah, anything requiring accurate date time functions yeah but yeah i remember just being a kid and being 
of I was gonna say being like being of the opinion that this must be bad because people are talking about it. And then on New Year's Eve ninety nine, as it ticked over into January first, two thousand, my mum and a friend's mum thought it would be hilarious to go to the switchboard and just turn off all the electricity. <laughs> And so there was a moment where everyone was like, ooh. But then, of course, like, no one was falling. Thank you. No one was falling for it. But, yeah, they thought it was the peak of... <laughs> I could see your mum chuckling over that. <laughs> it, Yeah. That's... I... Full respect. But, yeah, I do remember being... Yeah, I want to say like. We just we'll, we will stop that because I'll just stop talking if I can't use. Yeah, light. you have to think too much about it. Yeah, um, that's, that's not... part of the thing. That's part of the thing of filler words is that it sort of allows our speech to become a bit more free flowing. I guess. Yeah. You don't have to think. Well, you should think when you talk, but you know. <laughs> we don't have to think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I. That's the kind of prank that I would probably play now. So. I am my mother's daughter. Yeah. But yeah, what did you think of Y2K? And then I promise we'll get back on to Strike Anywhere at some point. I think I was... I don't think I was worried, worried, because my, my mother's very good at sort of bringing us back down, or at least bringing me back down, and she just She said, is very practical. Yeah, she was just very much... She was just calming. She just said, no, no, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And I probably fell asleep that year. That New Year's Eve, and I probably woke up at midnight or before that and was probably relieved that, yeah, slightly relieved that the world was still there. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. No, I don't, I don't remember being that worried. I remember hearing about it and thinking, oh, you know, that probably wouldn't be too great if it happened. Yeah. I think I was more just thinking, well, if that happens, can I still play video games? <laughs> when I broke my wrist at 11 years old and I was worried... Will I not be able to play video games? <laughs> but I could, and that was fine. Very good. <laughs> You've got the thumb joints to prove it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Square thumbs. Fun fact, Sam's thumbs are permanently crooked from the joysticks? Joystick? Dual shock. The, the, yeah. the sticks. Analog sticks. Thank you. But I've been playing video games since I was three. So <laughs> almost three decades. Anyway, strike anywhere. Sorry, the pages flipped around a little bit on the... There we go. So, yeah, Strike Anywhere. Um, formed in 1999 in Virginia, Richmond. I know, I can't tell. Is I never know if Virginia is one of those southern states or if it's not a southern state. I don't know. I don't know my American geography, probably because we didn't learn American geography in Australian I schools. I just didn't learn geography in general. I know that it's in that Old Town Road song, West Virginia, oh, yeah. Mountain Mama. But I think also that's where... <laughs> but isn't that also where the Pentagon is? I don't know. Can I, I just need to stop you there. So the song you're referencing is John Denver's Country Roads. Not Lil Nas X's <laughs> Old Town Road. <laughs> I well, because Country Roads had a had a resurgence. It it played yeah. on the on the trailer for Fallout seventy six. Yeah, and that's like the Fallout games have that sort of thing of bringing back a really old song and people going, "Oh, I love this." Yeah, and um, it was also a meme for a bit. For yeah, some reason. So yeah, but yes, you can be forgiven because they are very similar. <laughs> 
would you think less of me if I thought that maybe Old Town Roads was just kind of a, con- a cover song of Country Roads? No. I I would regard you... I still have yet to listen to that song, by the way. You are truly an anomaly, then, because it is literally everywhere at the moment. Not, a, not in a case of, oh, I don't want to listen to that song. No, no, no. I just haven't listened to it. Well, it's lit... I think as of today well it's been at number one for like weeks but um billy eilish her bad guy song has just pipped it to the post oh which is big news because yeah it's lil nas has been top of the charts for ages i'm sure we'll do a billy eilish song when it comes to punk goes pop volume (sighs) 17 or whatever i truly don't want to think that far ahead because we're already looking at like 2024 <laughs> which is very upsetting that's when, great i love it I I, I I when i thought yesterday when i was working by myself and cold and kind of sad and when i thought that we were going to be doing this last night and i was excited to come home now i feel sad that we didn't do it last night no, i don't feel sad because by the time i got home and got comfortable i didn't really want to do it yeah I did, but I also went to the gym, so I hopefully don't die as young as yeah. I'm fully on track to at this stage. <laughs> anyway, that's a conversation for another time. So, yeah, if you're from Virginia, let us know. Are you a southern state? I get the feeling that... Well, Virginia... I get the feeling that isn't that where the Pentagon is? I feel like that's where American Dad is set. Virginia... Langley Falls, Virginia. You're thinking... So, hang on. There is a Virginia town, I'm suspecting... As opposed to a Virginia... So, hang on. The state. Oh, okay. So, right. So, Virginia is a state. Yep. Richmond is a city. So In, in Virginia. That's where, that's where Strike Anywhere comes from. Right. It's just that we said they're from Virginia, Richmond, when it should have been Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Chalk that up to Port research skills that's all right in virginia richmond okay so anyone from virginia if you're listening i'm sorry anyone from (laughs) richmond virginia i'm sorry (laughs) and anyone from richmond melbourne i'd like to live in your city it's very nice in your city or your town town (laughs) i don't know (laughs) stop it you're making me feel bad richmond is fine it's fine I like it, though. It's very upper class. Yeah. Fucking everywhere in Melbourne's upper class these days. But that's a conversation for another time. Um, Thomas Barnett. Yes. Lead singer of Strike Anywhere formed the band after his previous group, Inquisition, fell through. How are my notes? Are they very... They're very natural, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, And... It's kind of funny, the name Strike Anywhere came from a song written and recorded by the band Inquisition. Yeah. So his own his own previous band, they were like, we like this this song name. And he's like, I'm going to take that and turn it into a band name. Yeah, who can blame them, really? Th- that's the natural evolution of yep. things. The circle of life. The circle of life. Should we now spend 30 minutes talking about that Lion King movie? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) 
So I guess this is probably more important to me than to you, but apparently, according to Wikipedia, they had three separate songs appear on three separate Tony Hawk games. This is big news for all Tony Hawk fans. Yeah. Tony, three, three separate Tony Hawk games. Tony Hawk's Underground, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, and Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam. I was expecting to remember Strike Anywhere from the Tony Hawk's American Wasteland album, but obviously they just sort of... Obviously the soundtrack extends beyond the official like CD release soundtrack, because that album rips. Like I listened, I have a copy of it. Apparently there's 63 songs on that soundtrack. But yeah, the actual comp that they released is like 15, 16. I'm going to be that person. I want to perhaps try and... If this becomes somewhat successful, because that album is all cover songs, I kind of want to see if we can get Tony Hawk on the podcast to review... This album for Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. We yeah. Could you imagine if we got Tony Tony Hawk onto this podcast? <laughs> the first thing is you'd have to make sure you call him Tony and not Tony. He is Tony, and the game's Tony. Okay, sure. Tony Hawk, and then, then I mean, he'd have to come over to Australia. I guess I would challenge him to Tony Hawk's Underground <laughs> because because that was my game. We have definitely had this discussion before, and it's only episode eight. <laughs> I could get fifty million points. I was so good at that game. Yeah, yeah, that was my game. That was just like the, you know, how you're you're basically a savant at Bubsy, and I nobody am. else in the world is a savant. Like nobody else in the world is remotely good at Bubsy. I don't know if I should be flattered or offended by that. It's one of those things. It's like a backhanded compliment, like. <laughs> You're good at it. You shouldn't be, though. <laughs> no one should have any interest in Bubsy, but here we are. It makes me think of that joke, or that bit from the first season of Community, where it's John Oliver's character and um, Ken Jeong's character, and they're discussing something in a male shower, yep. and there's just a guy there who's just, like, showering his ass, oh. and And John Oliver's just like... He's just like, can we can we have this discussion in a room with with much less balls, please? And like, he turns to the guy. He's like, "You're really confident." And Ken Jung just really quietly goes, "Yeah, but you shouldn't be." <laughs> it's like it's fine if you are great at Bubsy, but I'm not gonna, I'm not going to compliment you on it because Bubsy is an abomination. Fine. Well, but yes, I am. I I, I want to start. The, I just want to start the petition get Tony Hawk to review this album with us. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I Our Twitter account follows him. Thanks <sighs> to me. You're welcome. And our Twitter account is followed by Eugene Levy's eyebrows. It is. Shout out to Eugene Levy's eyebrows. Um, I, just, I just like it because I've made the joke about our cat boss, how he has Eugene Levy's eyebrows because he's got big eyebrows. <laughs> he's looking at us very offended-like now. Mm. That's all right. But yes... I was very delighted when a random Twitter account, Eugene Levy's Eyebrows, started following us. So, shouts to you, and thank you for supporting us. 
Anyway, we are getting horrendously off topic a lot in this episode. But uh, among other projects, you have written down Barnett, Thomas Barnett from Strike Anywhere, also formed a melodic hardcore project called Great Collapse. And that is with ex-members of Rise Against and Set Your Goals. I believe we'll be doing a Set Your Goals song at some point. Absolutely. And we are also covering Rise Against at some point. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've got... Oh, yeah, is it Swing Life Away? Away. Yeah. Literally, like, the one Rise Against song I've heard. But... They were pretty pretty great. And I actually kind of... Not going to... Com- they kind of... Again, it's sort of, it's sort of like strung out. And I think a lot of the bands that are on these acoustic albums kind of had that similar sort of sound. And this is another one, Strike Anywhere. I'm like, it kind of sounds like Rise Against. Yeah. A little bit to me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, but they, they're they a big-time political band. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you know, sung about subjects such as police brutality, anti-capitalism, women's rights, animal rights, and globalization. And mm-hmm. I'm, re- I'm saying that verbatim from the Wikipedia page, so I don't know if they're for or against globalization. So I did a bit of a deep dive, just to clarify, everyone, we're talking about Strike Anywhere now and not Rise Against. <laughs> I think I think Rise Against is pretty political as Yeah, well. yeah. Because so, um, they had the song, it's like it's, uh, Anthem for the Refugee or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so I researched, or... Oh, Sort of just read a bit more on Wikipedia. Yeah, Strike Anywhere are against globalization where it applies to like corporate globalization. So, yeah, they are. My understanding is that they, yes, they support people being able to open borders. Yeah, but when it starts to become like when corporations start to take advantage of globalization to essentially exploit labor and human rights kind of like your Nestle's of the world that kind of thing like yeah yeah that's what they have a problem with fair enough I can get behind that but of yeah. course they're also vegetarian or well, they also support the vegetarian movement I love that you say of course <laughs> which yeah it makes sense <laughs> and apparently and their logo is similar to the anti-fascist logo or the Antifa logo apparently yeah. sick um I just want to ask, does it mean that they're cool dudes who want us to all love one another and treat each other with equality and respect and to live in a planet that's healthy and not run by a small handful of big corporations, Disney for one? Or are they the kind of people who are going to make you uh, make a point of calling you out when you just want to eat a hamburger? I guess it. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know why the phrase that ran through my head was just fucking different strokes, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Was that a hypothetical, or do you actually want to delve into it? Oh no, that's a hypothetical. I'm not delving into that. I'm just. I just thought it was. I just thought I'd made a funny point. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't give it the response you were looking for. I think I... Yeah. Different strokes, man. <laughs> different strokes. That's that's the slogan for our podcast. We're going to do what is with different strokes, man, on it. Um, oh, can we? That first, was, our first line of merch. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah, look, I've been thinking a lot about this whole argument lately of, like... 
everyone sort of collectively wanting to make the world, or for the most part, wanting to make the world a better place, but at what point are you not being helpful by, like, telling other people what to do? Like, I don't know, I see a lot of, like, musicians, for instance, who are vegan, which is awesome, like, that's a brilliant thing to do. I wish I had the willpower to do Mm. it. And so they'll be like, don't eat animals, blah, blah, blah. But then they're also take like traveling by air to play shows all over the world. Yeah. It's just like, well, then stop taking airplanes everywhere. Like- and also, like, I don't really, um, I'm not going to get too personal into it, but just when things like, you know, farms shutting down and vegans are like, that's good. Mm. No, that's people trying to live and survive and you know, support family and everything. Mm. Don't be happy that people are out of jobs. Yeah. Because that just makes you an asshole. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. And again, this ties back to that whole, like, corporate thing is a lot of, again, there's, how am I, what do I want to say? We have sort of created this culture where just the everyday person is, berated for you need to save water you need to stop eating meat you need to stop um making carbon emissions blah 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 when ultimately like what i do or what you do it helps but it's not going to change anything there are so like there is like yeah essentially at those big corporations and they're yeah they're they're the ones who really should be making the difference yeah and if they choose not to well you know, a million people screaming at them, you should change. It's not going to make them change. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be that defeatist. Oh, but... I, I, want to make, I want to make a difference and I want to be better. But yeah, it's hard when we've sort of been conditioned to just continue this infighting when ultimately it's these global companies that are to blame for the bulk of what is going on in terms of climate change. Like, yeah. we're... Yeah, not to bring it down, but yeah, we are more or less fucked unless we make some pretty pretty radical changes and me turning off the tap while I brush my teeth isn't going to turn the situation around. No, but it will lower our water bill. This is true. Yeah. So anyway, that's this again, this isn't a climate change podcast mostly because if I think too hard about it, I start to sweat a little bit. Yeah, so. I get a little bit upset, but I also don't know all the facts, so but what I do know yes. is that the, this band wrote a song. They that did. we are talking about, Chalkline. Yes. So the song, Chalkline, comes from their album Changes a Sound, which was released in 2001. I didn't find a lot online in terms of like individual song reviews, but in doing a bit of Google trawling in terms of just the band and the album, I did find a few interesting reviews or just bits of information relevant to this album in full. So the first thing I thought was pretty great was just very in line with that grassroots-esque sort of feel of their whole music, their ethos, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So one thing I found interesting for those of you playing at home is that they are also on Bandcamp, which sort of marries up really well with their grassroots-esque sort of ethos and the accompanying blurb that goes with changes of sound on Bandcamp reads thus 
Strike Anywhere's 11-song debut full-length is for the youth possessed of all ages. Positive, melodic hardcore with punk rock soul in which heartfelt revolutionary messages for the mind and heart are communicated. Defiant, unbroken and uncompromising, it is fast, catchy, emotional hardcore and sing-along punk in the tradition of the genre's finest. So I, just the way that's worded is very delightful mm. and 14-year-old me would have been like, yes! So, and I also like that they hyphenate sing-along twice instead of just making it one word. <laughs> but that's edited jokes. Um, Sing along. <laughs> yeah, which that's how, like, it's that evolution of language. Like, it used to be that sort of, but now it would just be sing-along. I'm trying to think of, when I read old books, and this, I can't remember which word it is, it's something like today yeah, is hyphenated. Yeah, today, yeah. Today. And it's, yeah, it's just that thing, like, it, that makes sense, but also today we've just shortened it even further and connection is spelled with an x yeah i love that one that yeah. one's really funny yeah yeah just bear with me on it sam's just lowering the heat in here because we're bringing so much fire as it is so warm and i'm just, yeah that's probably for the best hopefully i won't fall asleep now um, another thing I found very delightful about Strike Anywhere in general is that they're still on MySpace somehow. <laughs> and considering that there was that huge, um, like, server failure. The bre- not breach. I think it was just, a, some, like, a server failed or something, yeah. and they hadn't backed it up, and so, like, some, like, 12 million or something songs it was a tremendous amount yeah so considering that i love that they came out the other end of that unscathed does justin timberlake still own or i don't know i don't know we don't need to go too far into it but yeah i feel like it's probably not the most lucrative thing anymore i just realized that that probably means that my music that was on myspace is probably gone oh r.i.p if anyone finds it though that would be delete in- it and burn it i don't mean burn it onto a cd i mean burn it with fire no it's pretty bad it's pretty pretty embarrassing <laughs> so yeah their myspace page look it's not peak myspace that we're used to like they do still have a top eight i think their first friend is Tom. thomas's other band uh inquisition um or former band i should say Oh, yeah, not... <laughs> I was saying Thomas in terms of the band, but I get you. I, I am up to date now. Did, when you got MySpace, were you kind of baffled by who this Tom guy was? No, I knew who he was. I didn't. I was like, who is this guy? Why has he added me? Why does he have 40 million friends? Yeah, he's just super popular. Yeah, really, yeah well, yeah, because I think it was like everyone... Well, yeah, it's automatic. And so... It'd be the equivalent of like Mark Zuckerberg... Being your Facebook friend. Except I think Tom had a bit more personality. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I just remember being baffled by this Tom guy. Yeah. And I think because a lot of people, they just didn't delete him from face from MySpace. Yeah. I'm sure I... Knowing me, I was probably slightly flattered. Like, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, unfortunately... Strike Anywhere's MySpace page, this album in particular, has very few plays to its name, but it is filed under the following moods, which I 
never clicked that there were moods for music. I remember you used to be able to say how you were feeling. Yeah. But yeah, apparently they categorise songs according or bands, tracks, whatever, according to moods. So for those of you playing at home, Strike Anywhere uh, filed under aggressive, angry, brash, confrontational, fiery, literate, raucous, rebellious, and reckless. Wow. Yeah. So it's basically all the hardcore buzzwords. Like hardcore and then smart as well. And yeah, yeah, there's no like, for my family and friends, that's that's probably the ultimate hardcore buzzword. Yeah, yeah. Family and friends and fuck all my haters. Yeah. 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 As much uh, as I know about the hardcore scene, which is not much. I could go on a diatribe about it, but I'd also probably get punched by someone, so I won't. Um... And under their MySpace page, they list their influences as Seven Seconds, Fugazi, and Quicksand. So, okay, for any heads out there for any of those three bands, you'll sort of get the idea. I've heard of Fugazi. I've heard of Seven Seconds and Fugazi, and I've heard of Quicksand now that I've literally seen their name on MySpace. <laughs> um, then the music site All Music obviously borrows from MySpace because they also reference the moods that strike anywhere evokes they also have the album listed under the following themes cool and cocky freedom and revolution i feel like one of those doesn't fit the other two but that's just me probably cocky yeah yeah look cool and cocky cool and cocky (laughs) that's not really what comes to mind when i think of like the resistance (laughs) You know, they really could have made a difference if it wasn't for the fact that they were just a bit too full of themselves. Yeah, just so arrogant. Those right. protesters in Hong Kong, they could have just gotten a little bit further if it wasn't for the fact that they were a bit full of themselves. Oof. Yeah. Keep fighting the good fight, though, people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... Unfortunately, yeah, like I said, not a heap of literature that was worth talking about here. But, yeah, what do you think of the song? I was thinking about it earlier. It's sort of I don't know, trying to wrap my head around this sound. It's it's slightly abrasive, but yet very polished. Yes. Like, yeah, I don't know that that again. It has, like I said before, it has that sound that's sort of akin to "Strung Out" and "Rise Against." Mm-hmm. In that, I can listen to it and, and in my ears go, "That's a punk song," but it's also it's a very well-produced punk song. Mm. I also... One of the things that I appreciate about these bands of this time was that they're very bass-heavy. So if you take a listen to the song, if you take a listen to Chalkline, then the first verse for most of the majority of the first verse, it's all just the bass. It just has the guitar oh. doing the feedback. I'm such a dummy. Like, I didn't even pick that up. That's great. And it's got... Yeah, it's got a good, good bass line. But yeah, again, like... Bands like Rise Against and 88 Fingers Louie, of course, because they had members of Rise Against yep. in them before they formed Rise Against. Um, I, they just sort of... Because you sort of take into account a lot of punk bands. It's like, well, the bass is the afterthought. Sorry to all the bassists out there. Unless you're a really good-looking guy who can go, I'm going to take... I'm going to be basically the focal point of the band, a la Pete Wentz. Yes. Um, but... I feel like a lot of bands like this, they sort of say, no, no, well, every instrument matters. Yeah. 
to the point that even I feel like the guitars is a little bit toned down. In yeah. This. Could maybe be turned up a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah. And again, it just has that sort of, that singing that's kind of yelling. It's like not, not quite a yell, not quite a scream, but still isn't unpleasant to hear. Mm. If you know yeah. what I mean? I'm sorry if I'm not saying much. I'm very distracted by our son. He is turning up the maximum cuteness. He's been knocking over my water bottle and now he's doing this thing where he sort of holds his paws in front of him and looks all like, who, me? But he obviously wants to stay hydrated because yeah, he has tipped my water bottle over now a few times, haven't you? You're terrible. But yes. Yes, you did do that. Yes. He's just cleaning himself with no care. Um, yeah, I, I get, this isn't similar to Strung Out. Like, this isn't the kind of music I, boss, he just knocked over my bottle again. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it's not the kind of music I would have listened to in high school, I don't think. Especially, like, I was so inward-facing that a lot of the global kind of issues that they talk about, I probably just wouldn't have given them the weight they deserved, if that makes sense. Yeah. I was definitely more of a fan of the introspective, like, navel-gazing sort of, I'm sad. So, and that's to my detriment. Like, I missed out on very seminal works because of it, I'm sure. If Um, I can play, I mean, I'm, uh, I guess, devil's advocate mm -hmm. in the sense, though, that the music that you listen to also kind of admitted that, you know, I have a problem. Yeah, yeah. And I should address it. Yeah. You know, the, you know, that's basically, I get the feeling, I don't have, I haven't read the lyrics, but that's the basic premise of I'm not okay, I promise. Is I, I am not okay. More or less, I guess. Yeah. Like, I get... Yeah, like, I guess that more emo element, like, old scene was definitely... Like, it was sort of very self-aware. Like, there was, yeah, no sort of pretense about how self-absorbed it was, if that makes sense. So... I just remember... I think it was pretty much like it was the proto-GIF. It was the first sort of thing I remember seeing... It was on MSN Messenger. People yep. would send it, and it was that bit from I'm Not Okay, I Promise, the film clip with yep. Mikey Way and the <laughs> inhaler. The asthma inhaler. The asthma Aww. inhaler. And he just keeps, like, shaking it, breathing into it, and then it kept replaying. <laughs> shake, breathe, shake, Emoticons. breathe. Emoticons. But it was. It was, like, a little tiny, this little tiny, yeah. like, postage stamp sized. Did you used to download avatars to use for MSN? No. Ah, they were. Oh, but they would get people would send them to you. Yes. And then you could use them. Yeah. Yep. I used to be all about those abbeys. So stupid. They were. Ugh, what a time. Anyway. I remember my first iPhone, and you had to download a separate app for emoticon uh, for emojis. Yeah, I had to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really <laughs> funny. Ah. What a time. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they took it out again and made us pay for it, a la Microsoft Word. <laughs> you, can have a subs- jacks. you can have a subscription system for your emojis. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I could have probably gotten into it. Because yeah, again, like, like I was... you would have fucked with. Because like, I, I definitely was into Rise Against as a teenager. Yeah. And, um, and 88 Fingers Louie and... 
as I, as we discussed in the Strung Out episode, I sort of got into Strung Out a little bit a little bit later on, so when I was like eighteen. Yeah. Um, yep. I feel like I definitely the sound isn't too dissimilar. I wouldn't have listened to it and gone, "That's bad." No, because I I listen to it now and 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 I like it. I as I said, like it's got that good bass line. Yeah. I always appreciate when it's not just basically like, well, it's there to beef up the guitar a little bit. Like, it's mm. there doing something different. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm the guy who listens to people growl into a microphone, so, you know, I'm not that hard to please <laughs> when it comes to vocals. Mm-hmm. What about, what about you, the sound? I know you talked about the lyrical themes and whatnot, but... Yeah, um... It's, like, I enjoy it. I like that it sort of, there's that shift in tempo, like, between the chorus and the verses and stuff, where it sort yep. of goes into, it's terrible, but my only point of reference is, like, Scott Rayner from Early Blink. Like, just that, just that very sort of, de- very yeah. fast-paced sort of drumming. I like that there's that shift. Like, it's very dynamic. Um, beyond that, I couldn't tell you much in terms of what I think about it, because I just, I lack the terminology, I guess. Will it be a song that you quickly forget once we've recorded this episode? No. Um, in saying that, though, I definitely prefer the acoustic version. Okay. Yeah. Am I able to throw you under the bus a little bit? Fine. Well, you've said you will, so let's do it. Because when I showed you the acoustic version the first time, you turned to me and said, I hate it. I know. And I'm very So you're doing a Sam. It's Um, just been a couple of times where I'm like, I started off the song thinking, ah, I'm not too fussed on it. And then I turned around and I'm like, oh yeah, now I like it. Yeah. Um, I was obviously not listening properly when you played it that first time, which that is a bad habit of mine is that if I have my phone next to me I will tune out and scroll on my phone because I am a piece of shit um so yeah listening to it properly in the shower as I do with all my songs that I want to unpack yeah um yeah I like that the before we go any further should we play the acoustic version yeah Choose to love who we are and this light shine brighter And don't let the crosses and dollar signs Who's a man of kind make you feel That you're not real all this time Walk out, out of the Now we've got that out of the way. So, yeah, listening to it again with my listening ears on and comparing it to the original, I like that the acoustic version, uh, it, it sort of, to me, it gives the song, in an, not entirely, but like a very different bent in terms of the lyrics marrying up with the music in a different way. Mm. Like... The original one, 
we should probably pull up the lyrics and sort of unpack them a bit as well. But the original one, when you've got your tempo shifts, when you've got your aggressive sort of vocals, that very classic punk sound, the lyrics coupled with it, it's very sort of... You get this sense of frustration, I guess, like just sort of feeling trapped and like wanting to sort of come out, like go down swinging, that kind of thing. It's cool. It's somehow cocky. <laughs> and also literate. Literate? And <laughs> quite raucous. So... At once. Yeah, no, I get... It, it's it's very... It's aggressive and it's angry. Yeah. In, the, in that... But then in the acoustic version, it's more melancholic. Yes. And I like that the acoustic version gives it that nuance. Yeah. Um, And in terms of the arrangement and like the musicality of the acoustic one, suddenly you do have a lot more in terms of obvious vocal melodies and it's slowed down and there's no sort of jarring shifts in... I said dynamic before, but, like, there's no sort of jarring shift in tempo. Like, it's all very... Yeah. Stays at one pace. Yeah. yeah. Very sort of... It, it flows. It has a very consistent tempo. Very... Yeah. Like... Well, not chill, because it's still... Like, it's still the same song. But, yeah, it has that more introspective and sort of soothing feel to it compared to the aggression of the original... And I like that their cover can encapsulate those two feelings simultaneously, depending yeah. on which version you're listening to. Do you know what else it has, or do you know what else it works in its favour? What? It goes for four minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> Shout out to all our weed friends, <laughs> Airhorn. <laughs> As someone who has never smoked weed, <laughs> I... I still don't quite get what 420 means. I, well, it's like 420 and 69, like I'm just conditioned to be like nice, but yeah. I mean, I know what 69 like, is, but yes. I still don't quite get what why the number 420 is in regards to weed. That's a good point, actually. That's fine. But yeah, anyway. This isn't a weed podcast. 420 so blaze it. When we get Woody Harrelson on the podcast, then we can talk about that he'll know he'll inform us so yeah for instance lyrically yeah lyrically to walk alone on the streets tonight and fear nothing to choose to love what we are in this life all that matters don't let the crosses and dollar signs the symbols of man unkind i won't give up through all this time walk out out of the shadows it's definitely a protest song a resistance kind of song but it also feels, I don't want to say disjointed, it sort of goes goes down different avenues. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's saying, you know, reject the church, reject the dollar, because, you know, these are all things of, what is it, of man unkind or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, it's talking about how that's us at our worst. Yeah. But don't... then also at the same time, these are people that, took money from Neversoft software, uh, Neversoft Studios in terms of putting their songs on Tony Hawk games. <laughs> what? You're allowed to make a living, though. Like, you you don't want to draw those complete, like, 
polar opposites in like you are still allowed to fight against capitalism and earn money for what you do. <laughs> I just feel like being on a video game though, because I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but like if if Tony Hawk came up to you and said, Hello Sam, I would like to give you ten thousand dollars Yeah, but I'm not protesting this. Yeah. And I'm 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 saying I'm saying right now, if if I ever had the chance to sell out, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even see me. I would be not no, I would I would no. <laughs> I would turn invisible I would, out of sheer excitement. <laughs> I, I I would turn into John Cena and you can't see me. No, I would sell out so fast. If I write a book that becomes even a moderately successful thing that a movie studio said, hey, we want to give you money to make this into a movie. I would say, do what you want with it. Give me the money, please, and thank you. I am making no qualms about that because, hey, being a poor writer is a very romantic idea, but also being able to eat every night is also a very romantic idea. So, yes, I would sell out with no hesitation. But, like... <laughs> You can not agree with something, but still need it as a require. Or yeah, I mean, anyway, it's it. You need it. It's it's a necessity. Well, <laughs> unless you're a self-sustained, unless there is like, unless they live on in a compound somewhere, and they're self-sustained farmers that also are hardcore punk rockers. This is very fast going off the rails. Um, is that another one of our? podcast buzzwords it really is yeah. yes what do you feel about he has a couple of lines about or they have a couple of lines sort of representing women how do you feel as a woman as a woman does that represent your gender um is gender the right word yes yeah yes it is so yeah generally speaking sex refers to like clinically speaking, genetically speaking, what sex you are assigned, whereas gender is what you identify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I agree with you that it sort of goes all over the shop a bit. Um, like, there's a lot happening here that it doesn't feel as centered on women's rights as everyone says it is. Well, no. I don't think that people are saying the song is centred on women's rights. They argue for women. The band itself argues for women's rights. So... Yes, but I have also seen, like, in my research, just brief mentions of this song. They're always, like, uh, where they talk about women's rights. It's like, yes, but also other things. Yeah. Like, it's not the most cohesive statement I've ever heard. I still very much appreciate it, obviously. Yeah. But... Yeah. It... Like... Yeah, it's not fair to say it's tokenistic because I can like it's obviously very genuine, but to me, I don't quite get the mission statement. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. I well, I think it's. I don't know. Again, I sort of think it's it's back to what I was saying. It's sort of saying to resist. Saying to resist the thing that, and not necessarily believe in the thing that, you know, you might see on the television and on the billboards and mm. in the church. It's it's just, it's kind of like a basic resistance song. I feel. I don't know. And look, 
It's, yeah, again, you can always sort of argue that death of the author, like, as soon as you put something out into the world, people will pin whatever meaning they want on it, and ultimately your intent can be lost. But, like, yeah. To me, I don't look at this and go, yep, it is talking about this. Like, it's sort of just a generic, like, no (laughs) to X, Y, Z. And also women are great, which they are. Well, yeah. um, They're the best. Yes. One of my favourite cases of that. Um, I believe the story, it was um, my... One of my cinema teachers in university told us the story of... um, In David Lynch's uh, Blue Velvet. Mm -hmm. And in one of the opening scenes, Colin McLaughlin's character, the main character of the movie, finds an ear, a severed ear. Yeah. And... That's right. Apparently, people kept asking him, what's the ear signify? And he... David Lynch said... It's literally an ear. He finds an ear. Yeah. He finds an ear. It's it's literally it's just an ear. Yeah. And I I, I love David Lynch films. So. Yeah. I know well, that I know that you're a bit indifferent to them. But. I again, it just sort of falls into that sort of disturbing territory for me, where I'm just like, I can't hack this. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't have the mental capacity to be okay with it. Like it sticks with me longer than is intended um yeah that reminds me of jordan peele with get out how there was the oh and when this character eats her cereal and milk separated she's separating whites from colored it's like a racial commentary and jordan was just like no it's just because she's weird yeah it's i think he was just like no it makes her look like a psycho yeah um i wanted her to look like a psycho and her doing that makes her look like a psycho yeah (laughs) so yeah it but he, he very happily, gladly welcomed people to interpret things and met, even stuff that he didn't intentionally put in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the same with George Miller, who made the Mad Max films. Like, oh, yeah. People were yep. making theories about the last one, Fury Road. He's like, no, I didn't mean for it to be that. But if you found that, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess that's one of this song's strengths, I suppose, is that... It covers a. It's sort of like broad brush in the issues that it covers, but yeah, it gives the listener sort of scope to pin what they want to on it. Yeah, like you can take it and use it for your fight against whatever yeah. you want to be bolstered by for yeah. whatever I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, but yeah. Long story short, like love the acoustic version just for how it adds that extra layer of depth and nuance to the song, I guess. I think, a, I think like, the Strung Out version, I prefer the original, just because I do... I mean, I like the full band. Yeah. And yeah. for me, an acoustic song really needs to have that hook or that something about it that's going to interest me to a greater degree than an original full punk song. Yeah. And it doesn't quite. It's 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 just chords. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have that sort of line in it. That that melody. That's like it doesn't have that opening riff like hurt. Yeah. Yep. Covered by Johnny Cash has mm-hmm. you know just that few notes that just sort of really somber and really just sets you right in the mood for what this song is going to be. Yeah. I just yeah I I think it's a good cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that they kind of had a really ingenious idea with these acoustic 
albums because it's just a really, really basic idea that kind of works. Well, yes. Get, get, a, get a band, get them to cover one of their songs and you do it with an acoustic guitar. And it just, again, it sort of allows you to get a bit more insight into the artist slash band themselves. Yeah. Like, when you ask an artist to take that one song that you wrote that's really great, but break it back down into a bare bones mm. production, how do they interpret that? That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, sometimes you will just get a note for note one that's just unplugged and it's like, yep, okay, but yeah, it's ones like this where they do take that extra care in, so yeah, making this a version of its own as opposed to just being a slight, like a very similar copy of the original like they take this and they make it their own mm. compared to the first iteration that makes it really special well i mean they add there's like an extra it goes for like i said 420 but, but the and original again, goes that's... for like two minutes 40 yeah so like again like they they definitely they give it something different yeah and i don't want i don't want my words to be misconstrued i i like the song yeah i think it's a good cover yeah and yeah, I think it does. It, it it does have that different element to it, that melancholic yeah. element to it. I just, again, I will probably always just go for the full band mm. over the acoustic version. Yeah, because I I appreciate every little thing that they do. And I'm not saying you don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. That made it sound like I was, you know. No, that's okay. Whatever. Whatever, indeed. Whatever. So, this would usually be the time when we talk about other covers, but there aren't really any other covers. No. So, I guess that's probably coming to a bit of a close. Yeah. So, final thoughts. Hell yeah or yeah nah? I wouldn't say that it's a... Like, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I probably wouldn't come back to it. Yeah. Um... I mean, maybe I might come back to it like once or twice more, but I probably won't. Um, but that said, though, we've only it's only two systems. It's hell yeah or yeah nah. There's no in between. So mm. I guess it's a hell yeah for both for both songs. Yeah, I think I'm just going to do an overarching hell yeah for how they approached it. I like that strike anywhere. Like I said, they put in that thought and that effort into essentially reinterpreting their song uh, and presenting something new for the audience. Yeah. Uh, and I like the two different versions that you get when you compare the two and how they overlap and how they have different nuance to them, different... In Yeah. Anyway, I am very tired and starting to lose my yeah. mind a it's little getting, bit. It's ten o'clock, so... Oh, Christ. Um... But no, for me, it's a hell yeah all round. I really like the effort that they put into this because it would be very easy to just be like, yep, cool. I know the notes that we use for that song. Here's my acoustic guitar. Off we go. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it is. It's good. And if, if you or anyone you know knows Tony Hawk personally <laughs> and, and you can get him to agree to review the American Wasteland soundtrack with us. We don't have plans to do the American Wasteland soundtrack, but for Tony Hawk, we absolutely will. I'm, I could just slide into his DMs and see what happens, but I don't know. 
Should we maybe, like, maybe wait till, like, the 20th episode before we start doing that? Yeah, look, let's... When we get to... So we're almost at 100 plays. Yeah. Would, yep. Is it too optimistic to say that we will, by the end of this podcast, reach 1,000 plays? I think so. You reckon we could get to 1,000 plays? Maybe if we get to 1,000 plays on spot of, on SoundCloud, we'll reach out to Tony Hawk. But what if we don't? Then we'll never get to shoot our shot. Or until we get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something out. This can be figured out later. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, Tony, if you're listening, keep an eye out for your inbox. I'm coming for it. Mm. So next week we have a very excellent episode I'm in store. I'm so excited. This could be a big, this could be, and I mean big in length, like it could be a long episode. It could. This, this one, this is a, this is a skeleton of an episode and we've already reached nearly an hour and a half. Yeah. Yep. So next week we will be looking at the song I Ran and then parentheses So Far Away by A Flock of Seagulls as covered by Hidden in Plain View. Um, so off the Punk Goes 80s compilation. And we may or may not have a guest, our first guest yes. on the pod. So yeah, stay we'll tuned that for that secret. one. We will. We'll keep that one under wraps. Um, but needless to say, we are very excited to have them on. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I am looking forward to talking all things 80s with oh, our guest and eating pizza, I imagine. Probably, but I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. But this has been Punk Goes Pod. Mm-hmm. And until next time, have a good one. Yes. Goodbye. Was that a good ending? Yeah. <laughs>